is High Motor by BetMGM, Andrew Dowdy, and Chase Kitty inching toward football season, NFL, college football. And with that, some new numbers on BetMGM.com this week. We're still waiting on college football win totals, but we do have Power 5 Conference champion odds. Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC, Alabama, the favorites. Uh, a varying degrees. Clemson, massive, massive favorite, minus 900. Next closest is North Carolina at plus 700. The rest of those Power 5 conference odds a little bit or considerably closer than that. And we'll we'll get more into those in a future episode. I'm not sure if we'll break each of those down when we do conference by conference previews, do all Power 5 conferences and then G5, uh, or if we'll do a separate kind of win totals and conference champions episode as we get closer to the season sometime in, in July or August. Again, the, the win totals aren't up there. They, sh- they should drop pretty soon, so keep an eye on BetMGM.com for those. Also, updated NBA Finals odds uh, coming, and we're talking here on Sunday, uh, what, 9.30 Central, so before this Mavericks-Clippers games. But uh, with the Lakers' exit, now Nets at plus 160, Jazz 375, Bucks 600, Clippers 650. As somebody who bets in the NBA a lot more than I do, I'm curious your take on this. And again, we're talking before Mavericks Clippers, and even though the Mavericks are buried, so if they lose tonight, they're buried at 6,600. Of the nine odds that are up there, they are by far the lowest. The next closest is Hawks at 300. Again, Clippers are at 650, so they're sitting right below the Bucks at 600, above the Suns at 850. Where is your attention right now? Like, are you just skeptical of all of this because of? We talked about before the show because of Embiid's health. Uh, Sixers are at plus 1,000 because the Harden situation now. Again, Nets at 160. Does any of this interest you? Do you see any value here June 6th at the very end of the first round? Or are you just kind of doing a wait-and-see approach on the health of some of these players? Not to toot my own horn here too much, but I think this is so far kind of unfolding exactly as I thought it would. Uh, my... My plan of attack going into the playoffs was there are legitimately six or seven teams that could come out of the West. I have no idea what's going to happen there. I think that Philadelphia has a very easy path to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm going to hold a Philly to win the East ticket, and I'm going to hold a Philly to win the title ticket. And I'm just, I'm going to assume that they're going to make it that far because of their path. Brooklyn and Milwaukee have to play each other and knock each other out. And then I get to hedge off of those Philly positions. So that's that was kind of my strategy going in. And so far, it's hap- pretty much what I thought was going to happen has happened. So I am in the exact position right now that I want to be in. I'm going to wait and see how the West continues to develop. Boy, did I call that Lakers game on Thursday. I mean, that was easy. Like everybody, how many times did you see... Like, well, you know, LeBron, his history in elimination games, like, that's not a reason why they're going to win. You know, that's true. And I don't want to sound like a LeBron hater. I like LeBron's game. He's fun to watch. I've enjoyed watching him for more than 10 years now, but you know, much more than 10 years. But that's not a reason why you're going to win today. That's a historical argument. So it was obvious to see that the Lakers weren't healthy and, and that they were going to go out. I'm going to continue to watch how the West develops and I'm going to hold on to these Philly tickets and I'm going to make action off of those positions as teams continue to be eliminated. What is your 
Philly title ticket. Like I said, they're a plus 1,000 right now. That is sixth of all these teams. When did you take them, and what's that number? Uh, it was uh, – I don't have it pulled up in front of me, um, so it's, it's going to take me a minute to find it. But Was it better than 1,000, though? Let me – here, let me see. Take just, your time. Yeah, just edit this – no, this, that's fine. This little segment out right here. Uh, so I've I've got Philly to win the East at plus three hundred, and I've got Philly to win the NBA title at plus seven hundred. So you're not going to double down them right now and take them at a thousand. No, I don't feel the need to. I, I'm not super sold on the fact that they're going to win. It's just I established a hedge position, and now I'm going to have some flexibility later on. So we're doing more NFL today, following up on Thursday's NFC South preview episode. We're going to do the NFC East for this Monday episode. But first, we do have a little bit of college football. And I have a question for you because uh, yesterday, Saturday, I was listening to Stephen Lassen and Braden Gall on the Athlon Sports Cover 2 podcast. And it was their Big Ten preview episode where they're going through and kind of explaining their rankings for the magazine. And Braden Gall said something that I want to get your take on. Over mostly over the last year, but really as long as I've known you, you've berated everybody on this notion that college football is better when X team is good. Like when people will say when college football is better when Notre Dame is good or college football is better when Miami is good, when Nebraska is good. Like you've made that very clear. Unless you're a Nebraska fan, there's just no common sense argument for why the entire sport is better when Nebraska isn't losing to everybody because it sure feels a hell of a lot better when Nebraska is losing to everybody but Braden made a comment along those lines but he took a different angle on it that I didn't consider before and I'm curious if this gets you as hot as when somebody says college football is better when Notre Dame is good he said college football is better when the Oklahoma states of college football are better when the West Virginia's the Minnesota's of college football like the I don't remember exactly what he called them. Kind of like the middle tier programs. Yeah. The like the middle class. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the middle class, the high potential programs. The sport is better when more programs like that are good. What are your thoughts on that? I think there's a balance that you need for any sport. If it's super top heavy, it can get kind of boring. Like has it been fun these last couple of years? I mean, we've seen really entertaining football. But in a macro season sense, has it been fun when we know it's going to be Alabama versus Clemson in the title game? I don't think that's super fun when it's like the sixth year in a row of that. So like that, that Joe Burrow year was so fun because it was different, right? It, it's, it was fun because it came out of nowhere and Burrow was fun and that team was really good. Like there were a lot of reasons why that was fun, but it was also fun because it was something a little different. So I, I agree in the sense that when you have really good teams that come from non-traditional places, I think the newness is fun. If that specifically was his take, I think I would probably agree 80% of the way. But I think my original position is is still the right one, at least in, in my eyes, which is good football like football is good when football is good and, and it's kind of that simple for me like I'll if you love football you'll watch any team that was good I lo- I watched a lot of coastal Carolina last year you know why because they were good like it, I didn't care that it was coastal Carolina they were fun to watch they were good and they they were it was fun to watch them having fun so that's 
that's what it's about, I think, if you like football. And if you're kind of a B-level fan and you, you know, if, if you're like a traditionalist, then I guess I understand what your position is. I would just argue I like football more than you. You you like watching, you know, the soap opera with your established characters. I like watching football. And he didn't elaborate on that. It was just a passing comment where I think it did come up in the context of Minnesota how it sure feels like they lost so much momentum as a program and a lot of programs did whether or not they were going up or whatnot with the pandemic year but I think his comment was in context to Minnesota where he thinks it's just more fun when you have a team like Minnesota who pops up for 10 wins 11 wins challenges either for a division title or maybe they get to the conference championship game we get something new my and I don't know if this was his position on it because he specifically referenced Minnesota Oklahoma State and West Virginia I'm not sure if those are just the the middle class programs off the top of his head but I don't think it matters like who those programs are. And again, I don't know if he was referencing them specifically and saying college football is better when Minnesota is good, when Oklahoma State is good, and when West Virginia is good. I don't think it matters which programs are. Yeah, I think you can switch those out for anybody. I mean, Yeah, I think it's just the fact, I think maybe, and I assume this was probably his point, that when there are just more middle-class programs challenging high-level or second-level, like with that Minnesota year two years ago, they ended up getting blasted by Wisconsin uh, in that regular season finale for the division title. If they had come out and even lost that game but played Wisconsin well to the final couple of minutes, that would have been fun because even though Northwestern has popped up, Iowa has popped up, we've seen Wisconsin kind of dominate that division and most of that like geographical side of the Big Ten now, really since Alvarez came, what, 25 years ago. So I think maybe his comment was more, when you get a, a, a truly good team like Minnesota going 11-1, and one, and then content. Well, I guess they went uh, ten and two, and then they won the eleventh game in the bowl game. But I think more of his comment was when you get teams like that, those middle class programs that are typically in that neighborhood of six, seven, eight wins, challenging a team like Wisconsin. That's what makes college football fun. I don't think he was specifically referencing the teams, and it seems like like when Washington made the f- the playoff, that was yeah. fun. When uh, you know, yeah. when one of the Arizona schools is good, Oklahoma State's a, a good pull. Uh, when like, you know, Michigan State pops up or uh, South Carolina a couple years under Steve Spurrier was good. That was fun. You know, yeah, I think you're right. Andrew, I know you don't love when we go to baseball. I know it feels kind of static for you. It, it's kind of like it's just always kind of there in the background. But I have a hell of a baseball pick for you. Are you ready? Please. Is this White Sox level? White Sox Orioles level? This is, I would say, right below that that White Sox Orioles pick. Are you going to pound? I know it's a good pick when I hear you pounding your table in the background. You're saying, take the White Sox under. That's when I know it's a good pick. So I'm not even going to ask your confidence level. If I hear the in the background, that's when I know it's a good pick. So there is a Sox team involved, but it's not the one in Chicago. Uh, We got the Red Sox playing the Marlins in Boston Monday night. So Miami is 1-9 in their last 10 games, and we've got an NL team going to an AL team. And as we have discussed, this is a position I like because AL teams playing in AL parks, they generally have a little bit of an offensive advantage because they have a roster that's built to utilize that DL, uh, DL, the the designated hit, hitter position. I'm in softball mode, so I'm like going back and forth between DP and DH. And anyway, 
the AL, AL teams generally have a roster that maximizes the utility of the DH position, and NL teams don't necessarily have that. So there is a lot of mathematical evidence that points toward, hey, you want to bang that run line when you've got an NL team visiting an AL team. And now you have a Marlins team that's just not playing good baseball right now. Going to Fenway, playing a good Red Sox team. Give me the Red Sox run line for them to win by two runs or more, that minus one and a half run line, at plus 140. I don't know if you banged the table. It felt like more you kind of like tapped your notes. I'm always tapping those notes, man. It's two two dogs in a row, by the way, if you're keeping score at home. Uh, we, we were on Phoenix on Thursday, hitting that, uh, hitting that plus-rated Red Sox run line on Monday. What's your confidence level in relation to that Phoenix pick? Because you said that was about as high as you can be. Uh, I, I felt it's about the same. I felt really, really strongly about that Phoenix game. I feel really good about this Red Sox run line. So we are going to get to NFC East here, but but after the Airhorn pick, we were kind of just, just messing around with, with some numbers here. And you mentioned that there's uh, an un, we're not going to mention the sports book has odds for the next Celtics head coach. And what was your question? Can I name any of the there are, 10 that have There are odds? 10 names here you can bet on to become the next Celtics head coach. Can you name any of these 10 names? How many do you think you can name? Yeah, and I'm not super plugged into NBA. Like, I, I do see it and I do follow it. But I know that Jason Kidd's name has been mentioned for every job. For Portland, for Boston, for Orlando, I think. Is he yes. on it? Jason Kidd is on here and he has the second highest odds. He's okay. Plus um, 450. So recently fired coaches. Terry Stotts, is he on there? He is not. It's a good guess. Did Lloyd Pierce get fired? Lloyd Pierce is on here at plus 1,000. John Calipari? No. I'm surprised he's not on here, though. That that he's seems not, like... He's, on, he's like he's like the default guy. Right, that seems place. like good bait. Like, people would waste their money trying to buy that ticket, and it would never happen. Is there any college coach on there? There are some college college names on here. I don't, I don't know that I would say he's a college coach, but there's definitely a college name. Digger is he a college coach? Jay Laranega is who I'm looking at. Jay Laranega? Yeah. Jimbo's son? Where is he? He is the top assistant coach for the Boston Celtics. Look at that. <laughs> Did not know that. Also was an assistant for Ukraine, 2013 to 15. Yeah. Um, well, you kind of teased this before. Becky Hammond, is she on the Becky list? Becky Hammond is certainly on the list, yes. Any other women on the list? Uh, yes, actually. There are additional women on, and now my, did my, there we go. Uh, Kara Lawson. Okay. Yep. She's at Duke, right? Believe so. Yep. I couldn't name any more. Couldn't even tell you. Yeah, I think those are the only women on the list. It's, uh. Oh, no, but who, who else is on the list? Oh, uh, uh, Sam Cassell is your leader at plus 350. Chauncey Billups plus 400. Wes Unsell Jr. plus 1600. Hmm. Darvin Ham plus sixteen hundred. Yeah, good That's set. It? Yeah. Okay. NFC East, huh? NFC East. My mind is everywhere here. I, I had a. I sat down last night to kind of put some notes together when we decided to do NFC East, and I didn't get very much done in a couple hours that I was looking at this stuff because I didn't know how to sort through this, and I'm hoping that you can kind of help me here. So the win totals for the East, 
In this order, Cowboys, Washington, Giants, Eagles. Cowboys 9.5, Washington 8, Giants 7, Eagles 6.5, right? So the playoff order, like will you or will you not make the playoffs, is also in that order. I'm not going to read off every number, but Cowboys, Washington, Giants, Eagles. For division odds now, we have Cowboys, Washington, Eagles, Giants. So Cowboys plus 100, Washington plus 300, Eagles 425, Giants 500. If you're listening, comprehension sucks. Essentially, what I'm saying is that the Eagles and Giants are flipped. So in the playoff odds and win total odds, the Giants are third, the Eagles are fourth. In division odds, the Eagles are plus 425, the Giants are 500. And I want to start with the Giants here because you mentioned a few times that you're aboard the Joe Judge train. Again, the Giants had seven wins, Eagles six and a half, Washington eight, Cowboys nine and a half. Why are the Giants, I'm not even on the Giants train. Like, I don't think the Giants are going to be great this year. But in what world are the do the Eagles have a better chance of winning this division, at least from what the market is supposedly dictating here, than the Giants? Explain that to me. I can't explain it. Um, particularly when you look at the playoff odds and the win the division odds, it just doesn't make any sense. So this is, I believe, possibly a mistake in how the, the book has handicapped these odds or maybe even entered the odds. I've seen rare cases of you know somebody mistyped the numbers into the computer when they were setting the odds and then it gets slammed. Uh, so I, I don't I, I have no explanation for this. Uh, I do think that you can take advantage of this by betting on the Giants to win the division. I'm not sold that the Giants will definitely win this division, but if you're giving me the best, like the the longest odds to the Giants, like I think that's just wrong. So yeah, give me that. So along those lines, there's also order of finish. So on BetMGM.com, click NFL odds, click NFL division odds, and then you can either view the NFC odds on that page or you can click into NFC East odds. Um, and there's like, I don't know, seven or eight different types of bets you can make. Division winner, uh, picking first and second place in correct order, exact outcome of the four teams. I think there's seven different bets and several different options for all of those bets. For one of those, for the order of finish, so the top two spots in order, the Cowboys first and the Giants second is plus 350. And that's well above the next highest. And you would think the next highest would involve Washington based upon the win totals, based upon the division odds, based upon the playoff odds. So the, again, the Cowboys first, Giants second is, is first at plus 350. The second one is Cowboys-Eagles at plus 475. Where is Washington based upon those other odds? Can you explain that to me? Um... I can't explain it relative to the other numbers that are being offered for you to bet, but I do think it makes sense to handicap Washington in that particular way. Like, I don't like Washington to have a very good season this year. So anything that has Washington finishing in the bottom half of this division, I think that makes sense, and I understand why you would do that. I just don't understand it in the context of also hanging Washington the, the, the way that they have. And I get it, marketplace principles, blah, blah, blah. They're the division winner, so you have to maybe go a little high with them uh, because you think people are going to come back and, and bet them to win again. I think I think there's been some, some quiet chatter about like, hey, Washington may be sneaky good, uh, win the division again this year, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I, I, I get that. I don't think Washington's going to have a good year. Does that mean you're taking Washington under the eight? 
are you that low on them? Because I'm not. Oh yeah. I'm oh. not high on Washington this year, but I also don't see Washington going seven and ten with that defense. Well, let's play the schedule game. Let me tell Please. you Washington's schedule. Chargers, Giants, at Buffalo, at Atlanta, Saints at home, Chiefs at home, at Packers, at Broncos. That's the first half of their schedule, and then they get to their bye. So one more time, Chargers, that's that's an L. Giants at home, coin flip, short week, coin flip. At Buffalo, loss. At Atlanta, not sure. Saints at home, Chiefs at home, loss. At Green Bay, loss. At Denver, probably a loss. So that's a lot of losses out of the gate. Then guess who they get to play right out of the bye? Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Even after that, coin flip, Panthers. At Carolina, Seattle. Seattle. At, the, at the Raiders. And then you get into the heavy divisional stuff. You've got Cowboys at Eagles, at Cowboys, Eagles, at Giants. God, they finished the season with five straight NFC East games. And that's a theme throughout this. I think the Giants, I believe, I'll have to go back and look. Giants or Eagles finished with also four straight NFC East games. Washington finishing with, I think I'm finally getting used to Washington versus Redskins here. They're finished with five straight NFC East games. So to to, to flip back here, to, to return to the original question, do you see eight wins in there? Because I don't see eight wins in there. So this is purely a schedule argument from you. Like, I... I I see the schedule argument that you're making here. I think this defense is too good. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will provide enough steady offense that could they go seven and ten? Well, yeah, of course they could. But I also think they could go nine and eight because I don't see like that many holes on this team where they're going to crater. They're not like one or two massive injuries away from completely sucking. They've built enough enough depth even just over the last two years to I think avoid cratering with an injury or two. So this is purely a scheduling argument from you, not even a personnel. Well, it's a little bit of a personnel argument, too, because if you're telling me you think they're going to go nine and eight this year, and that that's what they need to do to get over this eight number, over eight minus 130, under eight plus 110. You're telling me that with a much more difficult schedule, they're going to win two more games than they did last year. I'm not telling you they're going to do that. I'm saying if if you're if you're projecting 9 and 8, if you see, hey, I think they could maybe go 9 and 8, that means two more wins okay, than fine, last year. Okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll pull the schedule. shit that you always do. If you're forcing me to take a side, I'm taking the under on it. But this is a pass for me. I'm, I I think that 8 and 9 is, is very possible, probably of everything. I'd like them to go 8 and 9 versus 7 and 10. Do I feel good about it? No. But as I said last episode, I'm not going to put whatever it is, $50, $100, whatever the number is down and just let it sit there for seven months and watch them go eight and nine and get a push. Sure. Give me. Give so me. If, if you're forcing me to take a side, that, no, I'm that's taking a, the under. That's fair. That's a, that's a pass. And if you're forcing me to take it for the point of the podcast, then give me the under. That's fair. Uh, I'm on the under, not my best bet of the division, but I'm on the under. So looking at, again, order of finish. So the same order for, um, I mentioned that it's Giants, uh, excuse me, Cowboys first, Giants second, plus 350, well above the next highest, Cowboys Eagles plus 75. Is somebody seeing something here? And I know that you mentioned that it. you think it's highly possible that Washington finished in the bottom half of the division, maybe they're protecting themselves here. I don't, as somebody who doesn't like the Giants this year, like I don't think they're going to crater to five wins, but I also don't see 
eight and nine, nine and eight for them. I'm tempted to take advantage of this in a couple of different ways here. But again, I want your take on this specifically. Why you think that the Giants are at plus 350 and as somebody that, excuse me, plus 350 with the Cowboys to finish first and second. And as somebody who actually likes the Giants, does that bet interest you in any other insight on that particular part of it, how the book is positioning themselves? Can you, just for the listeners sake, can you repeat that bet one more time? Cowboys first, Giants second, in that order, plus 350. Uh, and then it goes down from there. Like I said, you can bet on Cowboys first, Eagles second, plus 475. Or you can bet on Giants first, Cowboys second, plus 525. There are 12 different options. So the one that I'm talking about is Cowboys first, Giants second, plus 350. As somebody who likes the Giants, does that interest you? Or is that number not high enough? Not interested, and it's for a very specific reason. It's because the Cowboys have to win the division. And I don't I don't like that. So maybe maybe if I wanted to diversify my position, like I I I I'm high on the Giants. I think my Giants handicap is correct, but maybe I want to hedge my bets a little bit and take this Cowboys one Giants two bet at plus three seventy five, get a little diversification going, then sure. That might be something I'm interested in. I just don't think I, I don't feel that way about the Cowboys. I don't feel that way about the Cowboys, but I also think, sitting here right now, I think they are the best team in this division. I think they have the best chance of winning this division. That's why I like, I'm excited about this, because I like Cowboys-Washington 1-2. That's a plus 575. I like that a lot. I also like Washington-Cowboys at plus 900, so I'm leaning taking both. And why I'm doing that, as opposed to, there's also, it's called dual forecast, where you pick the teams to finish first or second in any order. So you can pick like Cowboys and Washington plus 170, any order to finish one and two, Cowboys, Eagles, 260, etc. So I'm leaning toward taking both because you have better odds in picking the exact order outcomes for both of those bets, Cowboys, Washington, Washington, Cowboys, and hitting on either bet than you do at taking Cowboys, Washington at plus 70. That's why I think this is my favorite, at least like opportunity in this entire division right now. We'll see if some um, some numbers move and more come in but for now that has my attention purely from a betting standpoint i mean you talked a lot about how you always separate your betting mind from your sports mind in terms of my betting mind and identifying the value here that's the obvious one for me again taking both of those bets so cowboys first washington second at 575 washington first cowboys second at 900 putting down the same amount of money on both of those as opposed to putting down the total amount of money on Cowboys Washington plus 170. From a betting standpoint, that's what I like the most. Any thoughts on that? I just don't like Dallas this year. Who's going to win the division then? You you don't know, so you're not willing to bet. I I think the Giants are probably going to win it, but I think it's kind of going to be similar to last year in that none of these teams are going to blow you away. Like I don't want to no. sound like some huge Giants fan. I don't think they're that good of a team, but somebody has to win this division. I am not a believer at all in the Cowboys' offensive line. I, I'm not sold that, yes, they drafted a lot of defensive players, but I'm not sold that that fixes the defense overnight just because they have a bunch of first-round defensive players. Uh, I like Van Der Esch, but that's, you know... I, I, if he stays on the field, right. I've got questions. And, I mean, we, we talk about the Dallas offensive line all the time. We've already talked about this on the podcast before. That, like, 
Hey, the Dallas, this is not the 2018 Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Like, it's not the same unit. Last year, they ranked 22nd in the NFL in yards per carry. You know how many offensive linemen they added to the roster in the offseason? Two. Zero free agents. They actually let go of some on the roster. They drafted Josh Ball out of Marshall in round four. So that's a day three guy. And they drafted Matt Farniok, a guard from Nebraska, in round seven. That's it. And I get that they were they, they had some injuries along the offensive line last year. But I think even if they were healthy last year, this is an aging offensive line that's taking up a lot of cap room and is no longer getting the production out of that position relative to the money that they're investing. So on principle right there, that's a huge red flag for me as a handicapper, you're now spending a lot of money on Dak Prescott. I think he, I think you had to, I think he earned it. But anytime you put that money into the quarterback position, that's a lot of money you don't have available somewhere else, which is one reason I like the Giants. I'm not, I don't think Daniel Jones is the next Tom Brady or anything, but I like how much money they have to spend at other positions on that team. So I kind of don't love Dallas. I think the nine and a half is crazy high. Like the Cowboys are going to go 10 and seven this year. And that's the minimum record they need to hit that over. No way. Don't love that at all. And I think the best bet available for any team, any position, anywhere in this division is Cowboys will not make the playoffs plus 125. Love that. What are they to make it? Uh, I just had it minus they 150 are, to make the playoffs, plus 125 to miss the playoffs. We all know about the NFC depth this year. Okay. You're probably only making the playoffs in the NFC East if you win the division. So you're, if, if you're willing to make that assumption that, that the NFC East will only have one playoff team, that means I get the field to win the NFC East at plus 125. Love it. That's why. That's also why taking the Cowboys at plus one hundred for for division odds doesn't make any sense to me. Like I, I I like the Cowboys to win this division. My confidence level is not high. Just what you said. I don't understand how you can justify taking the Cowboys at plus one hundred to win this division, unless unless you think the Cowboys are gonna go like eleven and six, and the Giants are gonna go, you know, win 12 games and the Cowboys win as a wild card. I mean, that seems so far-fetched that, like you said, there's only going to be one, more than likely, there's only going to be one playoff team from this division, even with the expanded playoffs, that how can you justify taking the Cowboys at minus 150 to make the playoffs when the odds of them getting a, first of all, the NFC East getting two teams in, and then somebody else winning the division and the Cowboys still winning, probably going 10-7 and to get into a playoff spot. It makes no sense to take the Cowboys to win this division. That is probably the bet that makes the least amount of sense to me, just based upon what you said. You need to you you can't be taking one if you don't think the NFC East is going to have two playoff teams. I don't get that at all. Yeah, so I mean, for me, because I think Philly is out of it. I, I I think they are. Put them aside. Uh, I, I'm. I think there could be some value in chasing the under six and a half with Philly, but I, I don't. I mean, they could go seven and ten. Like that's not that's not shocking. Uh, I, I think they are probably pretty hard into a rebuild now. So I kind of just want to stay away from that one. 
I think if you're giving me the Giants to win this division at plus 500, I mean, that's nuts. So I I, I kind of have to go right there because that seems like such a market inefficiency to me. I've got to hit that so hard because it just feels wrong. Yeah, going to Philly, since we haven't really mentioned them, I don't see the wins for Philly. And I mean the odds here are phenomenal if you don't see that because over six and a half minus 165 under six and a half you're gonna give me plus 135 they were four and four eleven and one last year like there's gonna be some context even with the extra game you're gonna be three wins better with a new coaching staff you're trying new things with a unique quarterback mike clay the other day, he had them with the eighth easiest schedule based upon their current rosters. Not the other day. I think this was like the second week of May, but really nothing has happened since the second week of May. I don't have any beef with that projection of them having the eighth easiest schedule, but I also don't give a shit because this team is not very good. And in terms of them getting to seven wins, where are the wins? And the biggest thing here is that teams have to be bad. Like the Texans are going to be horrible. But it's not like the Texans are going to be the only horrible team in the NFL. It's really hard to bet on every year which team is just going to crater. Well, now 3-14, and 4-13. and 13. We can see it coming with the Texans, but we don't see it every single year. That's a hard bet to make, but it happens. Like, there are five, six, seven teams that do that, and there just aren't that many strong candidates across the league to be anywhere near the Texans. But the Eagles might be one of those teams. I mean, again, they close with four straight divisional games, three at home. And I think it's very fair to say that those are winnable games to some extent, especially for a team that I could see this team struggling offensively for 13, 14 games as they kind of figure out how to tailor their offense to Hurts. But it also could be a team that might just like have it offensively for a game here and there as they try out some new scheme stuff. Like they might put up 35 on Dallas one day just because they figure out something that works and then the next game that just doesn't work. Before that though, so they don't have a bye week until week until 14. Until December 12th. So you're talking about 13 straight games with, for all intents and purposes, basically a brand new quarterback, a brand new coaching staff, no buy until week 14 for a new staff. A lot of questions with personnel. Like, if you're right and the Giants are decent, like we're even talking about 7 and 10, 8 and 9 decent, you're talking about three teams that, in my opinion, could win at least eight, eight games in this division, even if you say three teams are going to win seven games in this division. They need to get those wins somewhere. So why not get them from Philly? Like, even as I talk through it here, I'm becoming more convinced that under six and a half, again at plus one thirty-five. Some teams just have to go four, four and thirteen this year. I mean, you win this bet if Philly goes six and eleven, and let's and that would be a phenomenal season for the Eagles. Let's let's be a little bit more explicit about what the schedule is: at Atlanta, San Francisco, at Dallas, Kansas City, at Carolina, Tampa Bay at home, at Las Vegas, at Detroit. Chargers at home, at Denver. Saints at home, at Giants, at Jets. And then they Your get their bye. Your bye is mid-December. They might be You're- like 1-12 at the bye. Like 2-11. I mean, that's that's brutal. I mean, you talk a lot about coin flip games. When you go through this, you look at the variances. Could this team go 5-12 or could they go 8-9? Like, 
how does what does it take to get them there to eight and nine, for example? It's those coin flip games that you mentioned, the 50-50 games where we say, like, could the Eagles go to Carolina and win? I don't even think that's a coin flip game for them. Like the Eagles going to New York, you don't think that obviously, or like the Eagles with Washington at home. The Eagles going to the Jets, that's the coin flip game, I think. And I th- I think that's the, the Lions too could be I okay, that's so they that's have... going to be like a shitty game no matter what. And I think the rule is anytime you have two shitty teams playing each other, anybody can win. So the Eagles have zero auto wins. None. None of their zero. 17 games are auto wins. They have arguably two if you want to throw like the Falcons in there, if you're super low on them, if you're low on another NFC East team, fine. But there is no argument that the Eagles have more than two, three, four, if you're being generous, coin flip games. A lot of auto losses. They're losing to the Bucks. They're losing to who else we got here? They're San Francisco. To, that's an L. San Francisco. At Dallas week three, I don't see it. Like I don't see City them home. even going to Vegas and winning. Yeah, like that's not a December Vegas game because you know you play you play the Raiders in December. You got a pretty good shot. You play them in October. Usually they still got their head screwed on the right way. So, I mean, I, I just don't see the wins here. Even with the Jets game, you're, again, their bye is Week 14, December 12th. That's the weekend their bye is. The game before that is a trip to the Jets. Short trip, same time zone. Get all that stuff. But you're talking about. The 13th straight game for a new coaching staff. And I even with all the COVID protocols, some of that stuff still will be heightened. It will be more labor intensive to get ready for games and practice and all that stuff. So the 13th straight game after another bizarre offseason, going to one of your two or three coin flip games, I don't see it. I don't see how possibly the Eagles could get to seven wins. I mentioned that I think the best... Betting value, for my opinion, is that Cowboys Eagle, Cowboys Washington flip them and take both of them. But I think combining betting and what I'm seeing on the field and with the scheduling, this is by far my best bet. Anything else that's catching your eye in the East, uh, in the East for a bet? Uh, I don't think so. I think the card that I play here is maybe a unit on unit or two on the under for Washington, uh, and then I, I'm enjoying that Dallas, uh, Dallas not to make the playoffs at plus 125. Giants win the division at plus 500. Are you taking anything right now, or are you going to wait? Uh, I'm going to lock that Giants one in for sure, because I am not convinced that number is going to stay there, yeah. especially after this podcast comes out. <laughs> I'm also not convinced that this Vega plus 135 for the Eagles under is going to stay there. I mean, you talk about... I think you first brought it up with the Alabama-Miami line a couple of weeks ago. As the hype train kind of gets going, there's nothing really to talk about. As we get to training camp and through training camp, that number will go up for Alabama. As we get closer to the season, there's also like the anti-hype train of, do we realize how bad the Eagles are? As predictions, as projections start coming out, like you have to put a team at 4-13. and 13. I think the Eagles are going to be that team in a lot of projections. Let me, let me just add on top of that one important note which is there's a big difference between a point spread moving for one game and a win totals line moving because usually with win totals you're going to see the vig move i don't know that you're necessarily going to see the number itself move you you really need something to get slammed for something to move like a whole half game in one direction because that's a big move even if it does move to six still taking the under on the eagles Still taking the under on the Eagles, even if we get some extreme amount of money on that. I think you still go under on the. What'd you say for the Texans? It was at 
four and a half and you said you would take him if it was under two? I think I'd take it at like two and a half. Yeah, I mean, they're just not One winning games maybe. this year. That's not going to happen. Anything else in the East before we wrap this up? I think I'm good. We're back on Thursday with another football preview episode. Not sure what uh, division or conference will hit. We'll probably just stay in the NFC. Talk about your those talk about your Vikings. We could talk about the Vikings. Your Vikings. Please hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, whatever app you're using. We'd love to have you back on Thursday. Send any questions to at High Motor Pod on Twitter or at Chase A Kitty if you have very specific. Uh, time-sensitive bets before the next episode at High Motor Pod for any mailbag questions on Twitter. Thanks for giving High Motor by BetMGM a listen this week. We will see you on Thursday.